0: Hello, it's producer Dave with this episode of On Farm. We are in Aviemore this time meeting a falconer with a very interesting and innovative
1: idea for protecting sheep and livestock from predatory eagles. The dogs themselves live with sheep 24-7. Now, if you've got a wild eagle flying over a flock of sheep during the lambing season and you've got a big wolf-looking dog wandering around... Eagles basically won't mess with wolves in the wild because they could get injured. It's just one thing that they're going to give up the kill to and go elsewhere. And as we'll hear in this chat, there is an offer for farmers worried
0: about eagle predation to come forward and say they're interested in trialling these guardian dogs on their farms. Keep listening to find out more about that.
1: I'm Johnny, Johnny Ames, and uh, I own the sort of falconry business called Mercus Falconry. And we partnered with the estate, Mercus about a year and a half ago and set up our falconry business. So we're just about, what, three quarters of a mile outside Aviemore, yeah. the sort of
0: busy town of Aviemore, And you're on a sort of a, a location here with quite a few different rural pursuit type businesses. You're here and you can go fishing. What are all the various things that you can do here? I believe that they do
1: probably everything you could imagine so there's fishing rope course i think exactly fishing falconry that's like tree zone where people go and do the tree stuff quad biking horseback riding archery axe throwing everything water sports everything you could imagine absolutely brilliant (laughs) we did a uh, experience this morning where we were uh, flying birds with people that came in to have a go doing it themselves and then uh, after that we had a private display So people came in to sit down and then watch a display of the birds flying, basically. Absolutely brilliant. And then where we're going now, we've got the the fishery down here, which is out to the left-hand side. It's a really good place for wildlife. Oh, my goodness. Very picturesque. Just crossed (laughs) over a bridge, and it's all opened out into... Yeah, stunning, I suppose, little trout locks, aren't they? And they stock it full of rainbow trout in here. And um, those guys at the back there are having a fishing lesson, I believe. They have got wild brown trout in there as well, but there's a lot of rainbow in there, basically. And then that's the main sort of fishery to the left.
0: Now that is a uh, you're like me. That's a bona fide
1: Scottish accent you've got there. Yeah, I'm originally from just outside of London, so we moved up here a year and a half ago, me and my wife and two kids. And like I said, partnered with the estate and haven't looked back. So where we're going now, we like I said, we've got the lovely sort of picturesque fishery. To the left and then we are now going up through the old fish farm to where we are now converting it into a bird of prey center and back into a public area
0: so johnny you've been here a year you say with your family or just a over year year, a half, year yeah. and a half
1: yeah
0: was there a falconry business before or are you setting it up from scratch
1: no this has been set up from scratch basically yeah we um i contacted the estate because we my parents have got a bird of prey center down like I say just outside of London where we're from and uh, me and my wife have been looking to try and you know get somewhere more rural and uh, love Scotland so um, <clears throat> I contacted quite a few different places and out of all of the places we contacted I think that you know Robbie Mercus was the best best suited and um, like I say we moved up and uh, start built all the aviaries and did all the work and
0: away we went. So you've been involved in falconry your whole life then you've grown up on a
1: yeah grown up in a falconry business yeah like say i was 10 years old when it opened and uh, before that my dad had birds of prey at home and used to go around and do you know school talks and stuff like that before he opened his center we started off by taking people out to a field on the estate to fly the birds and it was really popular so we took the plunge and invested into making more of what we'd call a proper center we're about 80% complete now. There's a little bit more tidying up and stuff to finish, but as you can see, these are the aviaries and they're all looking pretty stunning. So wood clad. The, the aviaries are in keeping with the national park here because it's all you know locally sourced wood, so on and so on. And then the aviaries themselves are designed so that the birds can't injure themselves. Uh, front of our sort of windows on the aviaries are made out of plastic bars and this allows the birds to, you know, they cannot damage themselves and keeps them in perfect condition.
0: There's a very impressive fellow looking at us with his beady eyes through the,
1: through the window a, here. What are we are looking at? A peregrine falcon, that one. I didn't like to guess, but that was no, my thought. Yeah. yeah, fastest creature in the world on record, and uh, she's a display bird that comes out and flies in a display to show people, you know, how fast a peregrine can be. In here is Amado. Amado's a Harris Hawk, but he is hiding somewhere. So we'll have to see if he appears later. Is that him making Unless all the noise? He's... No, this one, this is Phantom and Phantom is a goshawk. So this is the hawk that we would get up here in the Highlands. You do get them across the UK and their numbers did go very low, but now they are doing much better. And there's a lot more goshawks around. But she is, uh, the best way to describe a goshawk is they can be psychopathic
0: <laughs> and they
1: like to kill everything that moves. And uh, basically she was born in May and she's being trained to uh, start a new experience in the winter. We are going to take people back to the uh, origins of falconry, which is, you know, people used to use these birds, we believe, to catch their own dinner and 4,000 years ago is when we think it roughly started in the Far East, in China. And anyway, we're starting this experience that we're gonna call a a, a catch, cook and camp. So you're gonna take this goshawk out, you're gonna catch yourself a pheasant, and then you're gonna cook it over the campfire and camp out with your birds to take you back, you know, to where it all began. So that's gonna be her job. Taking people back in time. Doesn't sound like she's very happy about it just at the moment. Oh, no, that's just her. She's actually quite like just talking to us for food, really, Right. saying feed me. And And then this this one is a snowy owl? No, it is a spectacled owl. And it is very white, but it actually comes from the Amazon rainforest. Oh, wow. And again, very noisy because she she is hand-reared. So these noisy ones kind of think they're humans and they're calling to you saying hurry up and feed me. I want my tea, I want my tea, Yeah. yeah. She's little... already had two meals today, so you'd think she would be a bit quieter.
0: <laughs> well, we're a bit interesting and a bit different, I suppose, as well, not we? have got
1: Fiddick in here. Fiddick's having a little swing on his perch at the moment. And he's a great, grey owl. So uh, they are a big owl that comes... You get them right round the top of the world, actually. So like Scandinavia through Russia and into Alaska and Canada. And you do get them up into the Arctic, but they're a forest owl you would only get that bird as far as the forest goes, basically. Right, right. But very impressive looking owl. They're all very impressive, aren't very they? Very fluffy. Keep himself warm in the winter. Right, we're going to go up to... This one is Loco making all the noise, and as Loco's name suggests, he is completely crazy. And there he is. This is a striated caracara from the Falkland Islands oh right so where they're only found on the falkland islands they are a very unique bird of prey doesn't really fly um doesn't really fly isn't scared of people because they got no predators and to, you mean a this smart.
0: this one particularly or,
1: or, or generally they all of fly. them right yeah because they're an island bird they've evolved into a really heavy bird of prey for their size wingspan Um, So they do everything pretty much on the ground. They nest on the ground. They can catch their dinner on the ground. They don't have to fly away from predators. So they're just a big, noisy, crazy mess. So they're hunting on foot? Yeah, yeah. They eat a lot of baby penguins, unfortunately. Oh dear. So they uh, can run up and grab stuff and they like to eat a lot of shellfish and stuff like that. And then this one's a, a bit of an old lady. She's 23 years old and she's a female step eagle. And step eagles come from Russia and they're like a smaller version of the golden eagle that you find up here in Scotland. That's seriously impressive up close, isn't it? I know. And she's smaller compared to these ones. What have we got here? So this is the white-tailed sea eagle, or white-tailed eagle, whichever you prefer. But basically the white tail is the biggest eagle in Scotland. She's got like an eight foot wingspan. Uh, but they are a fish eagle really by adaptation. But they do like to eat other stuff as well.
0: Yeah. I, we'll maybe come on to that a little bit because we talk to a lot of farmers on the podcast who, yeah, certainly in areas where they're being reintroduced, are often a bit concerned about them
1: predating on sheep and lambs and things. So it's a very hot topic, isn't it, in the Highlands and uh, this, this whole eagles eating lambs thing, you know, has gone on for quite a while and sometimes you feel like, you know, leaving farmers on their own to deal with it maybe isn't the answer and isn't fair to do it and you have some conservationists that are out there completely and utterly denying that eagles kill lambs and saying they are only scavenging and um you know trying to say that farmers are making it up and stuff like this and then you have some farmers out there that say they're killing hundreds of lambs every year and the fact is you don't need to be a rocket scientist to look at that eagle and realize it's powerful enough to kill a lamb at the end of the day they hunt geese and stuff in the wild as well. So if you can kill a fully grown goose, you can pick a lamb up. Absolutely, yeah. How much they're scavenging and how much they're killing, I don't know if there's any scientific data out there that says it, but the fact is they probably are killing lambs, they probably are scavenging on lambs, and I don't, we don't believe it's fair to just ignore the farmers.
0: I think, Johnny, you're going to tell me in a little while that you've got at least one suggestion of an answer to that but let's finish looking at all the birds first
1: and then we can maybe go on to that we have an idea to try and help coexistence really and like when you look at this next eagle she's a female golden eagle which is the other eagle that you get in the highlands you know you do you are getting these eagles in the lower parts of scotland as well now yeah and um, this is a you know it's a formidable predator she's capable of catching a roe deer if she wants to so they are at the end of the day large predators that could pose a problem to somebody's livestock. Um, So if people are worried, this is why we feel we want to try new ideas to help coexistence between these amazing birds, but also people trying to earn a living. The word you just used was coexistence.
0: That's the idea.
1: And, and And I think
0: that's really key, isn't it? I think people producing, growing and producing food in Scotland... People that are using... so noisy. No, people no. that...
1: We'll get round the corner <laughs> we'll around. and it'll we'll muffle stop. him a little bit.
0: Stop, uh, we'll, we'll stop, stop annoying them. Yeah. Now. Um, people that use the Scottish countryside
1: for leisure pursuits and, you know, these groups of people have to coexist. Well, that is it, isn't it? And uh, I understand that conservationists... Like I'm biased. I love seeing wildlife back in the countryside, you know. Um, but I do also get, you know, I've, I've worked a lot in Africa as well and people need to try and move forward. We are not like we were a hundred years, two hundred years ago. The human population is so much greater all over the world, we have to find a new future, don't we? And um, now we are getting predators back on the landscape. This over here is our idea to try and help with that coexistence between predator, and farmer. So at first glance, Johnny, I thought I was looking at a field of just sheep. But it turns out (laughs) that one of these white fluffy animals is not a sheep. No, these are are Maremmas, and they are livestock guardian dogs. So basically they're from Italy. They date back to the Romans so they are a very old breed and this old breed of dog for thousands of years now has wandered around protecting sheep and goats from wolves and that is their main role where they come from. This one We've got two Maremmas here, so we've got a nine-month-old boy called Luigi, who's very big at nine months old. And then you've got uh, Peaches, who is 12 months old now. And then you've got five random old sheep that they're living with, which is
0: part of their training. So tell me how that's working then. So, So the idea of these dogs is that they safeguard and protect flocks of sheep from predating birds of prey. And my guess is that right now they're in here learning how to do that.
1: Yeah, so at the moment we're at the very, very beginning stage of the project. We announced it obviously earlier, you know, a bit earlier on, and we're just hopefully going to set this up as a sort of non profit so that we can try and get the government and people like that to actually pay for farmers to have these dogs, if that makes sense. So basically, the dogs themselves live with sheep 24 7, you know all year round. So they stay in the fields? Stay in the fields. The only time I can ever get them to go in the shed is if I shut them inside. If it's raining, they're out with the sheep. They don't care about the weather. And then um, the whole idea behind this is is that like Luigi there is a big dog. He, to an eagle, will look like a wolf. Now if you've got a wild eagle flying over a flock of sheep during the lambing season and you've got a big wolf looking dog wandering around, The hope is eagles basically won't mess with wolves in the wild because they could get injured. It's just one thing that they're going to give up the kill to and go elsewhere. So if you've got an eagle flying above a big flock of sheep lambing and then you've got two of these big dogs wandering around which as you can see are 100% great with sheep, the eagle should just think no thank you and go elsewhere to look for food because they are just the top predator and they're going to go somewhere else. The other thing is if they can bark when the eagle's in the sky, it'll make them look even, you know, scarier to the eagle. And uh, we were really happy that there's a shepherdess recently sent us a video. Uh, she lives in the, in the Alps in Switzerland. She has five meremas living with her sheep. And when they were out in the mountains, they had a huge vulture above the sheep and the dogs were instinctively barking at it. And she sent us a video of these dogs trying to drive this vulture away because they saw it as threatening towards the sheep, basically. So this method is already being practised effectively elsewhere around the world? Not specifically for birds of prey, but for most predators, yes. Like, like I said, in Africa, there's a charity called the Cheetah Conservation Fund that we stole the idea from. Because they, uh, one side of their cheetah centre is dedicated to breeding a, br- a bigger breed of dog than these. But they go, these livestock guardian dogs go to farmers, they stop the cheetahs killing livestock, and then it stops farmers shooting the cheetahs. So it's their sort of coexistence method that we've stolen, if that makes sense. Okay so it's a trial a pilot at the moment it's a complete pilot like say we have we're still going through all the paperwork to set it up as the non-profit and then the idea is is that we'll probably get them to do a lambing season here on this estate and then we want them to head off to the west coast you know where a farmers having problems with eagles and then try and get some funding you know for an independent study to say whether it's made any difference to eagles going near lambs or not basically
0: It's interesting. What response have you had so far from
1: maybe the National Farmers Union of Scotland or other farmers groups? So far, we've had um, mostly positive feedback from people saying that, you know, if it proves proves that it works, then it would be a good asset, you know, to farmers in Scotland. The only negative feedback we've had is from some uh, other falconers and conservationists that say that we've promoted the fact that eagles do kill lambs and we shouldn't be omitting it which i again think is just the wrong attitude
0: yeah so turning a blind eye doesn't yeah, trying, help
1: anybody i suppose trying to deny the facts and they try and say there is no evidence that they kill sheep but you know i just think that you basically what they're saying is is that farmers are lying and uh, i believe that that's not the right attitude to have like i say and when we moved to scotland and you know we found out more about the project uh, problems that eagles have been causing we looked into Livestock Guardian dogs and uh, we couldn't find that anybody had tried them yet up here. So that's why we decided as falconers, people that understand eagle behaviour and have a lot of, uh, we, do, we train a lot of dogs to work with the birds, you know, for the sort of falconry hunting side of it, um, that we would give the dogs a go, especially after seeing how well they've worked in other countries.
0: It's interesting you say that as falconers because you're quite well placed Johnny to understand the
1: interaction between the dogs and the livestock and the eagles because of what you do here. Well exactly and like I said you understand an eagle behaviour is key and the fact that we know that they don't like top predators like wolves and bears if you've got a big dog like Luigi wandering around then hopefully, like I say, that that will be probably enough on its own. Now, what we have actually been doing is we have a Frankenstein eagle that we've made that we hang from the bottom of a drone. Like a scarecrow kind of eagle. Literally, yeah. yeah. And it flies through the paddock. And um, Luigi just sits there and looks good because, you know, that's what he thinks his job is for some reason. But Peaches, the female she will bark and drive it away basically instinctively doesn't want that thing anywhere near those sheep but we're actually right next to where you demonstrate and show the hawks and the eagles here what's their reaction when you're doing that they never see them i have to shut these dogs away in the in the barn every time that that the birds have flown and again that's why we're trying to get some funding from the government for this because we need a bigger paddock away from the centre so that the birds can go and live with sort of 30 odd sheep in a big paddock so we don't have to keep putting them away but like I say we wanted to bring them here and demonstrate it to try and get that next stage going You think about
0: dogs and sheep in a field together, leave them there overnight that would be uh, very much against the instincts of most farmers because you'd expect the dogs to worry the sheep or cause problems but they are completely ignoring the sheep in this field
1: yeah that's like I say it's in, it's bred into them thousands of years of breeding to be a livestock guardian dog they're very you know they're very calm very chilled out i mean these are puppies as well really it's only nine months old but they're very calm and um they just you know they're bred to live with with livestock and they don't you know chase them i mean they are puppies so they do play with each other now and again but the sheep just move out the way and then as you can see now, like the sheep are all just laying in the sun with the dogs. Yeah, there's you no know, they additional do stress. do not care yeah. that the dogs are here. It, you know, if there was a collie in there, these sheep would have a completely different attitude right now. But because of the disposition of these dogs, they pick up really quickly that the dogs are not a problem. And they honestly, it took two days. These are old Shetland sheep that have been rounded up by collies their whole life. Um, and we did that on purpose to see whether they would always be petrified of the dogs. But it took two days before. I mean, they bully Luigi and try and steal his dog biscuits and stuff. So, honestly, I can't stress enough how much the sheep don't care about these dogs. And
0: I'm looking at Luigi and, um, oh, goodness me. Peaches. Peaches. Mario theme there, isn't (laughs) it? Exactly. My (laughs) kids there coming through. So, I'm looking at Luigi and Peaches and they're so placid lying here on the ground. They're not reacting to anything, least of all us. No. I can't imagine them getting too excited, even if an eagle was attacking. I know, it's
1: amazing, when something does new does ter- turn up, they turn into different dogs. So when we have like, I'm trying to think of an example, oh, the other day, because they're not used to cattle, because they've obviously only ever lived with the sheep, but there's a cattle farm here, as well and the, they got out and were on the other side of the fence where well, the dogs were horrified because they'd never seen cows before so they were trying to like bark and they were standing with the sheep thinking what the hell is that massive creature and they looked like different dogs then and then the other reason that we've picked this breed is because they're actually really good with people so, you know how we've got the Dangerous Dog Act in the UK, which everyone's going crazy about at the moment, and then you've also got the right of access in Scotland. One of the other questions we've had is whether the dogs would be too dangerous for that. The great thing about this particular breed is they are known to be rubbish if you want them for burglars because they're not going to, they will lick someone to death before they attack anybody. They're even good with other dogs. So, on paper, they seem to be the best dogs. And since they've been here, they meet strangers every day that are coming in to do bird of prey experiences because we bring people to meet the dogs as well. And they are unbelievably friendly towards people. And then anything strange or a predator, you know, that's when they turn into a guard dog.
0: That's really an interesting idea. And and like you say, nothing else
1: like it happening in Scotland or in probably in the wider UK. As far as I'm aware, no, I think there may. Act- the only people I've ever read online that are using livestock dogs is actually a farm in Somerset and they're using them for chickens they live with the chickens to stop foxes uh, coming into the chickens but that's all I've ever heard of but they again if you've got you know if foxes are coming in ravens are coming in whatever's causing problem to your livestock if it's another animal the dogs should drive that away so it's a really interesting
0: experiment it's obviously only in its quite early phases just at the moment What's the ambition, Johnny? Where do you hope in five, ten years' time to have got to with this?
1: What would be really nice is if it works. So that's the that is <laughs> yes. the first first thing we've got to try and see whether it works or not. aren't they really going to make any difference? And at the end of the day, we need to get them, you know, over to the west coast on a farm see if it works if we can prove that it works the long long term aim would be to bring enough dogs over from italy that farmers are self-sufficient with the dogs so if we could get enough funding to supply enough farmers to have dogs if it works again that we basically the farmers can breed the dogs themselves raise them with the parents the adult dogs are going to teach the younger dogs what to do and they give them to other farms and then it's something that will last forever and again if it works it's that coexistence again that you've then got a way to help farmers coexist with these predators forever. It would be a fairly significant revolution in farming practice wouldn't it if that happened? It'd be great but like I say we are not trying to uh, say that it you know is 100% yet we've got to do that first pilot project with these two dogs and see what the outcome is and then uh, yeah it'd be amazing if it works this is why we're trying to get some help now from the government and other sort of conservation organisations because at the end of the day we're just a tiny little company that's just started and we could do with some help from these people that you know should should be helping farmers and predators coexist at the end of the day
0: you'd be able to get funding if it was an innovation in say digital financial technology or, you know, you were some kind of innovative startup in Edinburgh. Yeah.
1: This is innovative thinking just like that would be, though. That's what we're we're, we're really, really hoping that, like I say, once it is registered as a non-profit, we'll get some help, basically.
0: They don't look like they've got a lot riding on their shoulders just now, do they?
1: (laughs) No, they're so chilled (laughs) chilled out. out. They're just laying in the sun with the sheep. And uh, that's the thing with them. Like I say, you don't have to... They have been just a blessing to train like we've trained other dogs i've had pointers and i've got an english setter at the moment like the english setter is a moron compared <laughs> to these dogs he's amazing at working but in every other aspect of his life he's a moron okay whereas these guys i sympathize exactly, but these guys are just 100 percent great all the time you know they're gentle them you know they're big dogs but i've got a three-year-old son walks in there and feeds the dogs and they just plod along behind him very gently wait for their dinner you know they're really very soft with people i suppose very easy to train if you tell them off they are like okay i'm really sorry you know what i mean they're not that headstrong so very easy they're kind of labradorish aren't they facially yeah they're like a big a big big fluffy labrador a big version aren't they and they've got that sort of disposition of being easy, to, like an easy dog to train, because I suppose if you are a farmer out in the Alps or somewhere like that, and you've got your sheep in a herd, you can't have dogs that are running off wanting to do their own thing. They're going to have to listen to you and obviously stick with the sheep. So it must be a lot of their breeding to make them so, you know, easy to work with.
0: Might be early days, but lots of farmers listen to the podcast. Johnny, are you open to people getting in touch with you to maybe try this out, or is it a bit early for that at this stage?
1: Well, no, I'd I'd love to be able to start trying to line farms up because what we have all we've been waiting for is the paperwork to be finished on the the, uh, project to be a non-profit. But as soon as we can find a farm that will take them. We're going to try and get that funding to send them over to the West Coast and then have the study done. We want to send a member of staff with the dogs so the farmers don't have any, you know, they don't have to do anything in this initial stage. Someone will go and look after the dogs, basically. Spend a good, you know, a good amount of time throughout the whole lambing season and then see whether they've made any significant difference, basically. Especially if you, you know, if there's a farmer out there that is desperate because there are eagles that they believe are killing their lambs then that is where the dogs need to go. It's
0: been really interesting meeting you Johnny, thank you very much. We'll have to keep in touch because it is going to progress, isn't it, in years to come. So we'll no doubt be back to talk to you
1: again. Yeah, definitely. Like so, it'd be nice for you guys to come back once it's uh, or even when the dogs are at a farm, coming and visiting the dogs on the farm and seeing how they go, how they're doing.
0: Thanks Johnny, thank you very much.
1: No problem. And Luigi, you've just been asleep the whole time. <laughs> yeah. You meant to be up. What are you doing? You having a little doze? He is honestly so dozy. He's just, he's just like, just honestly such a lovely dog. I just think if I I owned a farm, I'd love to just, you know, imagine going out and having these big old dogs coming over and having a cuddle in the morning and-
0: I think I'd feel bad about leaving
1: them in the field though. I do sometimes feel a bit guilty about leaving them out, but honestly, you try and put them in the shed and they won't go in there unless you shut them inside. They like being outdoors. You know, they're bred for the Alps and those sort of mountains. They can, that's what they do. They just follow sheep around and cope with all weathers and keep wolves away normally. Don't you, Luigi? You don't look like you'll fight a wolf, but you're meant to. Luigi, hello? What do you think? You're going to guard against the wolf? That's not not a good advert for his (laughs) uh, savagery. As I say, out of all of the livestock breeds, they're the smallest. And that's why we picked them, because of this disposition with people. So they shouldn't be a problem to any farmers under that dangerous dog act. Because the breed is known and notorious for being stupidly friendly with people. Huge thanks then
0: to Johnny Ames and to guardian dogs Luigi and Peaches and all the birds of prey here at America's Falconry Centre. I hope that's been an interesting listen and I look forward to seeing what progress Johnny makes with the guardian dog idea in future. That's it for this episode. On Farm, as you surely know well by now, is made by the team at Seen and Heard PR and Marketing. Get in touch for any rural or foodie, PR, comms or other media needs. Other than that, we'll see
1: you next time.